You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Hi, good morning. Hey, come to order, please. Come to order. Thank you. Um, so I'm doing announcements this morning. First of all, visitors in the house, if you're here for the first time, or you're a repeating visitor, you are an essential part of this congregation this morning. You really are. And we love having you here. And I hope that you felt the warmth of the congregation. That's a measure of love. That is part of our community. And, um, and it's real. And I like it. And so again, you are very, very welcome. And... Uh, That segues nicely into the fact that we're having a new members class next week. And the new members class is three hours. It's two hours starting at nine o'clock next Sunday through to 10 o'clock break through to 11 o'clock. And um, then it picks up again the following Sunday for one hour. And that one hour period is before church service so you can come to church and after that, you will have a full knowledge, uh, or at least a lot better knowledge, of why we're here and uh, how, we, how we fellowship and how the church responds to the message in the Bible. So sign up, go online, go to cfccnet.org and sign up, or see me, or see Dale, or see Kevin, or see one of the other leaders, and, um, and please come. Because it is great. It is a good class to sit in. Highly recommend it. Um, The other big announcement is that in two weeks' time, loads of people are going to go to High Meadows Golf Tournament. I'm not a golfer. 18 holes mysteriously placed in the middle of hills, you know, that you can't really get to very easily. Um... So, yeah, it's a bit strange to me, but I, have, I attended last year and it was awesome. I drove the cart around and we got to talk and meet fellowship and, and cart drinks around, so we had a good time. But on the, on the run-up to that, in two weeks, when golfers go out there and, and do the tournament, um, and to back up, the point of this whole thing, apart from the fellowship and the sunshine, if, if it's sunny, um, and the missing of the holes, is... Um, that this is an opportunity to raise money for the ministry here in Spring Branch. Sorry, in Spring Branch. That is my last church. That's weird. Um, and I haven't been there for so many years. Um, but the point is, the point is to, get, to get money for the, for the children's ministry, for the teenage ministries. Um, and the way that is done is golfers will go they will pay to, to uh, do the round of golf and, um, and pay to do that. But that's a break-even situation. The benefit comes out of the other activities. Most significantly is an auction associated with that. And there's a bench at the back there that has details on that. You can, you can see what's being provided. Those things are donated. And... Uh, Last week, Jeff, Jeff said something about not bringing the stuff out of your, your old garage. I've got a 1957 Evinrude 25 
that, that worked the last time it worked. So I, I was thinking maybe I'll take that. Um, and you could bid on it. You could put down a thousand bucks on that and nobody would mine at all. So, uh, right. So sponsor packages, um, donate tickets to sporting events, um, donate giveaways, things that your companies might provide as giveaways. And uh, yeah, that's it. God bless you. Have a great service this morning. Fellowship. Kevin? Let's stand together as we begin in worship. Let's just go to the Father and give him thanks for this day. Give him thanks for this, this privilege of coming together as the body of Christ to worship him and to lift up his name. We're not an audience this morning. We're all participating together, worshiping together, lifting up our voices for his praise. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you for this day. This is the day that you've made and we rejoice, Father, that you've given us breath and we use this breath to reflect your glory, to sing your praises, to shower you in worship because you are the only one who's worthy of our worship. And we do this, God, because you've transformed our lives. And sometimes we don't really see that. Sometimes we don't, don't live like that, Lord. But today we preach to ourselves and we remember how you pulled us from our sin and our shame and our guilt. You lifted us out of the pit and you have given us life and freedom and grace in Jesus Christ. And so we lift up his name. Lord, we are, we are anticipating your move in our lives. Lord, we are excited. We are eager to worship you here this morning. And we ask that you move in this place. We pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. We've come to that time in our service where it's time to worship God with our giving. And, uh, you know, giving is something we do every week. And I know sometimes it can seem like it's just another thing we do. But I submit to you that it's an act of praise. It's an act of worship. There's only a few things we can give God. We can give him our, our, our praise and our adoration. And we can give back to him from what he's blessed us with. And so I'd like you to ask yourself for just a moment, did I prepare this morning for this opportunity to worship God with my giving? How much thought did I put into it? Was it something I prayed about? Was it something I thought about? Was it something I thought about at all? And so I would ask you now, if you didn't come prepared this morning to worship God in giving today, pray about it next week and come ready to worship God with giving. Now, some of you may not have anything to put in the offering plate, and that's okay. Some of you may have given online and don't have the opportunity to put something in the offering plate. I would submit to you that while this offering service is going on, while we're offering, while we're worshiping and with our giving, that you pray and thank God for the way he's blessed you, for the way he's provided for you. He is so good to us. Everything we have comes from him. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful today for you. We are grateful for our relationship with you. We are grateful for the salvation we have through your son, Jesus. And Father, as we give these tithes and these offerings, Father, we ask that you would bless them. We, Father, that you would bless the gift, that you would bless the giver. And Father, we pray you would use them for the furthering of your kingdom, the spreading of your gospel. Father, we love you and we praise you. We worship you with our gifts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. Um, it's been a special weekend here at Cypher Christian Church. Um, I didn't 
actually have one thing to do with this weekend other than, and I guess this isn't an other than, praying. We've been praying for the weekend, praying for these students. Um, but I have two things, and I got the t-shirt, right? And uh, these t-shirts are kind of crazy. They could have been crazier, quite honest. Every word on this t-shirt has to do with a grouping of animals, all right? A grouping of animals. And since I can't see my chest, I'm going to look at my cheat, 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 all right? A Google of, a gaggle, a Google, (laughs) a Google of computers, Uh, a gaggle of geese, a pod of Man, y'all are, oh, students, students, let's see, let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can, y- y'all are brilliant. I mean, you know, a tribe of monkeys, baboons, very good, whoever had that. A caravan of camels, a drove of dinosaurs. That's pretty impressive. A drove of donkeys? These are all factual, by the way. An unkindness of ravens. A murder of crows. Man, y'all are impressive. I guess I, I was asleep when they were teaching this at school. A conspiracy of... What? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Lemurs lemurs, and finally, a crash of rhinos. Rhino, isn't that pretty cool? But, but what is cooler than that are the three principles that were taught at the treat, retreat. First of all, every one of us are created in the image of God. That's right. And did you know, even before man was created, God lived in relationship. He lived in relationship. God the Son is not a new thing. God the Son is an eternal being. God the Holy Spirit is not a New Testament thing. God the Holy Spirit is an eternal being. So from the beginning of the heavens and the earth, and before that, God lived in relationship. And as individuals created in the image of God, we are to live in relationship. It's so interesting. God longs to have a relationship with all people. God cares for all people. So people we often overlook, in fact, the overlooked of society, God loves intensely. Just look up how often the word poor is used throughout the Bible. God loves the least of these, the disenfranchised, the overlooked. And if we live in relationship with God, we love them as well. We are created for relationship. And there is a special, special group that we are created to live as a part of. Remember God from the very beginning has been calling a people of his own, calling a people for his glory, calling a people to himself. 
and the people we're a part of is students tell them the church the church of Jesus Christ now that's going to come into play in our message in a pretty big way uh, at the end of our message today uh, if you have your Bible turn to John 21 John 21 if you don't all the verses will be up here on the screen John 21. Uh, We finish up our series face-to-face life-changing encounters with Jesus Christ. We've seen, we've witnessed individuals move from disappointment to hope. Uh, We've witnessed individuals move, move from a place of doubt and unbelief to a place of faith and belief. And today we're going to see someone, a critical person in the history of the New Testament church. We're going to see him move from guilt and shame to forgiveness and restoration. Not just forgiveness, restoration. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you engage us, that you meet us, that you surprise us along life's journey. Father, that you know us better than we know ourselves. And you long for us to enter into a faith journey. You long for us to enter into a relationship with you. And so you do not stiff arm us. You do not push us away when we're in a position of disappointment and doubt and shame and guilt, but you lean into us. You embrace us and you long for us to know life, the life you created us for. Father, teach us today from your word. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. God does indeed meet us when we least expect it. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, God lives in you, um, to be specific, correct? In the form of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're temples of God, the Bible says. In the Old Testament, you had a temple and God's presence would come and go in that holy of holies. But in us, God remains every hour of every day. But you know what? As followers of Jesus, we forget that fact. As followers of Jesus, we get disconnected um, from that fact. And so God moves in and through everyday encounters reminds us of the fact that he's near, he's present, he's with us. We're going to see such an encounter today and and the encounter is the third time after the resurrection that Jesus encounters the disciples it's interesting, though, the word for this encounter, this third time Jesus appears, is epiphany. It's like, aha! But Jesus is appearing on the scene, and in this context, he appears at a strange place at a strange time. The disciples have been criticized greatly because they returned to fishing. Uh, Many commentators will say, you know, they're just abandoning, abandoning their life as followers of Jesus. They are now um, going back to their old life of fishing. Uh, I don't believe that's true at all. 
I believe they're doing that which is comfortable. They are doing that which, quite honestly, is soothing, comforting. But I don't believe they're going back to their old way of life. In fact, they're obeying the command of Jesus because in Mark 14, verse 28, Jesus says to them, after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And they're fishing at the Sea of Tiberias, or another name, the Sea of Galilee. We've heard of it, have we not? The angel spoke to two of the disciples on the day of the resurrection and said, Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee just as he told you, just like he said. So before we start lashing the disciples for returning to their old way of life, uh, let's give them a little break, right? Give them a break. There's no doubt in my mind um, that this was a a good time for them, that they anticipated um, fun, if fun can be had after the roller coaster they've been on. So fun might be the wrong word. But you know, when I want to think, when I want to process, I go into woods if I can find them. If I really want to process, I go to the mountains and make a trip there, all right? So these guys went to the lake. They climbed in a boat. You know, I think this is good therapy for them. I think it's good therapy for us. You know, I've watched Doris knit. Uh, Knit while I'm speaking, by the way, sometimes, which I'm just thinking, Doris, would you pay attention? But you know, Doris just pays, you know, she just goes on, right? She pays attention. But I'm sure that's comforting. I'm sure there's some kind of release there. Some of you exercise. But whatever you do, um, don't do it to the degree that you can't relax, that you can't let go, that potentially... Um, you might even encounter Jesus in the midst of it. So if you have your Bible, look at, at John 21. We're looking at several passages today. In fact, this message is the simplest of any that I've preached over the last few weeks. And I believe part of the reason is, is forgiveness is simple. It's not a, it's not a complex matter. The Bible in in chapter 21, after this, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. This is how he did it. Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, by the way, he's not the doubter here. Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now you see, you, you know if you're a real fisherman when you, you like to stay in the boat when you're catching Nothing. Now, when I was a boy, I'd go fishing with my dad often lake in Louisiana, almost every weekend, just to be honest. Um, we were fishing while many of you were in church, and that's just what we did every Sunday. 
That's what we did every weekend for that matter. And so I witnessed my dad again and again and again and again. I don't remember one time we went fishing that he didn't catch anything. He's an expert fisherman. In, in, um, to be specific, a bass fisherman, right? But when I've gone fishing without my dad, there have been times that I've been fishing. In a boat, waiting, right? Speckled trout fishing, I've gone out and I've caught absolutely nothing. Now, I know that I'm not a real fisherman because uh, one, I didn't stay very long. I definitely didn't stay all night, right? I headed out. These guys were out all night long. I I don't think they were saying, yes, we didn't catch anything. But they had returned to that which was familiar, at least for a short time. And I figured being back on the water, watching the sun come up, isn't that a beautiful sight over the water? Was refreshing in some way to them. A man on the shore, they were about 100 yards out, says to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And so they do exactly what he says, and they hauled in a huge, a huge number of fish. That disciple, oh, excuse me, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was him. Jesus said to them, children, do you not have any fish? Have you caught anything? Except this has a negative implication. They answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net. So they cast it. And they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity a fish. I'm convinced. I'm convinced when we're struggling with our past, when we're struggling with guilt, when we're struggling with shame, we got to go back before we can go forward. Do you hear me? We have to go back. Jesus is calling us back in our relationship with him often. And if you do not identify a time where you've crossed the line of faith, I believe Jesus is calling you back. Jesus wants us to remember rebellion. He wants us to remember choosing our way over his way. He wants us to recognize the fact that we've blown it. Not to beat us up. Not so we will wallow in our shame and guilt. Don't ever forget, don't ever forget, Jesus does not want something from you. Jesus wants something for you. He wants something for you. When he calls us back, it is for our good. It is for our healing. It is for our restoration. I figure all of us have secrets in our life. If you don't, you are the vast exception. If you're privileged, some good friends let you in on secrets in their life. 
right? They don't want their group to know. They don't want the church to know. They might not even want their family to know, but they trust you so much, they spill their guts to you. You see, Jesus knows everything that's happened in our life. And he loves for us to come face to face with him and spill our guts. Oh, that reminds me of fishing again. That's terrible, is it not? Oh, gosh, that image just went through my brain. Excuse me, ladies. Or, of course, that's a chauvinist statement. Forgive me for that. Um, <laughs> verse nine. When they got out on land, by the way, Peter jumped ship. John says, that's Jesus. Peter jumps ship, he dives in the water or jumps in the water, he puts on a little more clothes because he wants to be properly dressed when he comes face to face with Jesus. And it says the other people are dragging that net behind them and they get to shore and they arrive on shore and Jesus has a fire going. He has fish on it. He has bread, according to later in the story, when he serves him bread and fish. You see, Jesus is not only calling us out, he's calling us to draw in. But before uh, we focus on that statement, just, just think about this. In Luke chapter five, you know, have you ever been there before? You know, you have an experience, Jesus is calling you back, God's calling you back, and you, you just kind of shake your head and you say, I've been here before. This isn't the first time. This isn't the first time I've blown it. This isn't the first time I've been here. In fact, I don't know, you know, what's the use? I, I don't think I'm ever going to beat this, whatever this is. It's interesting, deja vu. You see, there was another fishing journey in Luke 5. And so the disciples are out fishing. They are real um, living fishermen. This is what they did for their livelihood. And again, they fished all night and they've caught nothing. And it's a little worse. Peter is cleaning the nets. The nets are on shore. The boat is just off the shore. Jesus is teaching the crowd from the boat. And when he finished teaching, he tells the disciples, go out to sea. Now, guys, this isn't with a rod and reel. It's with nets. And so the disciples go out to sea and they haul in so many fish that the nets begin to break and the boat begins to sink. And Peter says these words. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, thank you, wrong passage. Go back to Luke 5, my bad because I know I don't always go in order. Luke, ah, let's see if it's even on the screen. Luke 5, 8 through 11. I can read it. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. That's the boat sinking. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he and all that were with him were astonished at the catch of fish and that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You will be fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I'm sorry, guys, there were, there's no possible way that the story in John 21 did not bring to their minds the story in Luke chapter five. Not only is Jesus calling them back to their point of failure, specifically Peter, he's calling them way back to the point where they first followed Jesus. You know, do you remember when you first followed Jesus? Can you go back that far? I'm 55. It happened when I was 14. We sold the lake house that we went to every weekend fishing. And some people took interest in me and showed me the love of Jesus. And I made a commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Can you go back? Do you identify time in your life where you crossed over from a person that did not exercise faith to a person who did exercise faith? To a person who did not all the time choose their way over God's way, but wanted to follow Jesus? Go back. Celebrate the fact that God pursues a relationship with us and come follow me. The disciples were a unique group, but they weren't perfect. We're a unique group, but we're not perfect. We have to be called back, but thank goodness Jesus calls us in. He calls us in. He wants to do business with us. But remember, he doesn't want something from you. He doesn't call you in to shame you. He doesn't call you in to spank you. He calls you in to restore you. He calls you in to help you come to grips with your past. And that's what he's doing with Peter. Let's read a little further. When they got out on land, there was a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. I don't know if this charcoal fire reminded Peter of warming his hands in the courtyard where he denied Christ three times, but it might have. I smoked a brisket and a few racks of ribs on Friday, and and, uh, if I don't get off those clothes pretty quick, our whole house will smell like smoke. You with me? There's something special about smoke. It almost reminds me always of family because we get together when we roast marshmallows. It reminds me of our backyard fire pit or of a fire um, near a tent in Colorado or now smoking meat. It's not as fun, right? But maybe the smoke and the fire in the moist um, April morning 
reminded Peter of another time when there was a fire and smoke, just maybe. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. (laughs) They're real fishermen. They know how many they caught. Fishing trip in May, um, 1980, a buddy of mine went to the Trinity River coming out of Lake Livingston. No joke, we caught 147 fish in four hours. I know how many we caught. They know how many they caught. So many people over the years have come out with all these theories about what the 158 fish mean. I'm telling you, gallons of ink have been spent. You know what I think it means? That they caught 153 fish. (laughs) That they listened to Jesus. They could do nothing on their own, but when they depended on Jesus, they caught fish. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so uh, with the fish. This now, the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. There's something about gathering around a meal that's special. I mean, dinner with, or breakfast with Jesus, right? That beats any breakfast at Disney World, right? Breakfast with Jesus, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, by the way, it's Simon, not Peter. Peter hasn't looked like a rock at all. He's denied Jesus three times. Jesus has him affirm his love three times. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. He was broken because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I know I'm beating the drum pretty heavy, but Jesus does not want something from you. He wants something for you. You ever go to the dentist and they get out the little pick and they hit something maybe that needs fixing? They know it needs fixing because it hurts. You ever had a virus in your computer? It's not working very well. It needs to be fixed. The virus needs to be out. Jesus is leaning into Peter. Jesus is bringing him back to those three denials. 
Jesus is wanting Peter to affirm his love, and he does. But not in the boastful way that he always had done in the past. Remember, Lord, if everyone else abandons you, I will not abandon you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, you, before, yes, you will have denied me, Peter. Jesus calls us back. He calls us in. He wants us to draw close. Some of you have past experiences. I have had some of these experiences at a time in my life that you'd rather cover up and not talk about. You'd just assume no one else knew. You'd just assume move on with your life. I, I guess a problem with Peter is, of course, he knew, just like we know these experiences in our life, but John knew Jesus knew, God knew. By the way, the only one who doesn't know about the things in your past is John, the apostle, right? We know. And and even though there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the fact of the matter is our memories still hold on to those past experiences. And so I believe confession is a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. James says, confess your sins one to another in order that healing might come. Now that's a huge step. But how about if before we confess our sins to one another, we confess them to God? You say, I've done that, Dale. Well, how about you engage in an exercise, write it, say it out loud by yourself, Write it on a piece of paper, wad it up, throw it in the trash. What about write it on a sheet of paper and set the piece of paper on fire? Would that help you to realize that God has moved on? There is therefore now no condemnation. He wants you to move on. He wants you to find healing. This is kind of tricky with people. Peter because uh, he sinned publicly and so Jesus is calling on him to affirm his love publicly. I've seen people confess sin in the front of the church. You say, never, Dale. Well, it just depends on your sin. Confess. Why? Why? Because Jesus is calling us out. In, back, in, out. You know, if we're not careful, we see the gospel is revolving around us. That's never been the case. That's what the students have actually been talking about whether they knew it or not. God has been calling a people to himself. He existed in relationship. He calls us to relationship. For all those that believe, um, I can have Jesus and I don't need the church. There is nothing more foreign to the New Testament. Did you know Jesus is married right now? 
Or you say, technically not, Dale. The wedding supper of the Lamb. Okay. He has a bride. And his bride's name is the church. If you talk about my wife, you're going to have a problem with me. All right? Don't take the church lightly. It's his bride. He's calling you not to just move from disappointment to hope, but to then carry your hope into the world around us that's in need of hope. He's calling us not to just deal with our doubt and our unbelief and to move to faith and belief, but to carry our faith and belief to a world in need. He's calling us out. Not in the way you thought. He's not calling us out. He's calling us out. Guilt, shame, probably everyone you meet deals with it. Probably everyone you meet needs to hear that God wants something, does not want something from you. He's not a taker. He wants something for you. He wants you to experience freedom. He wants you to experience forgiveness. He wants you to experience life. We finish up the story. When they had finished breakfast, we went through all those engagements. And by the way, just as I've told you, I'm not making this up. Jesus is calling Peter out. Shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep, guard my sheep, my sheep, not your sheep. I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Simon, you you are Peter. You are the rock. You are to shepherd. Verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus says to every one of us in this room, follow me. You don't know where I've been, Dale. I don't care. Jesus says, follow me. I care about you. But your past does not keep you from following Jesus. Oh, I'm not saying sweep it under the rug. I'm saying deal with it. God wants you to experience forgiveness. But he's calling you out. He's not just calling you to feel good and keep it all to yourself. You are his minister. You are his instrument. His messenger of reconciliation. Your ability and my ability to do that will all flow from this question. Do you love me? Do you love me?
Do we love Jesus? Do we love Jesus? I like that. You see, don't, don't serve the Lord because you're guilty. Don't serve the Lord because you're, doing to do, you're trying to do more, right? So you will finally be right with God. It doesn't work that way. Realize that Jesus loved you and gave his life for you and he's calling you to follow him. You know, that's what this meal of grace that we take part in every Sunday is about. We're celebrating the fact that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're celebrating the sacrifice that the Son of God left heaven's throne, became a servant, took on human flesh, and gave his life. He shed his blood. You'll be given a piece of bread. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to this table of grace. You'll be given a piece of bread and you are then presented with a cup to dip the bread and to celebrate the sacrifice Christ made. Paul says that every time we take this bread and drink this cup, we're to examine our hearts. If you've never reflected on what you've swept under the rug, this, this would be a good time. Father, I know, I know that I have some things to deal with. I just want to acknowledge that I recognize the fact that I am not condemned because of Jesus. And I celebrate that today. Let's bow our heads as those serving communion come forward at this time. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you love us too much to allow us to just hide our past, to not deal with our past. You lean into us and call us to follow, you lean into us and ask us to reaffirm our love. You lean into us and call on us to confess our sin, our rebellion, our failure. Father, there are hurt people in our midst. Father, there are people with guilt in our midst. Father, may your spirit move in us in such a way that we might acknowledge, that we might confess, that we might receive forgiveness and live in forgiveness. Father, we pray that that might be so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask that you come now and celebrate and God's grace. You know, when God uh, stirs our heart, when he speaks to us, um, we need to lean into him. Listen to this beautiful passage. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, 
So great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. My granddaughter, we were talking about this east-west thing this week. You know, that's hard to explain. Uh, Jeff, if you would explain that to me after the service, he casts them as far as the east is from the west. You know, the Bible says he remembers them no more. Uh, You know, God does not have a memory lapse. He chooses to not allow our sins to affect his relationship with us. You see, the blood covers us. We wear the righteousness of Christ. It is us who allow our sins to affect our relationship with God. Speak them, confess them. He forgives and he casts as far as the east is from the west. He remembers no more. Do not take for granted his voice today, him speaking today. Seek the Lord. He's found. I encourage you, if you'd like to pray with a prayer partner to come, uh, maybe you just want to sit and pray, pray right where you find yourself today. Let's celebrate God's grace. I'm going to ask the Living Water team uh, that is going out to come forward at this time. How many of you guys are here? Bob's out today, and uh, we want to pray for Bob Boozer. We want to lift up this team. Um, Nancy, first Living Water trip. Mm-hmm. First uh, ever mission trip. First ever mission trip. <laughs> how, many time, how many trips, Greg? Five. Five Living Water trips. So kind of cool. A veteran and a rookie here <laughs> on this trip. And um, let's pray for them. Y'all, you guys are going to Honduras. Honduras. And um, we look forward to hearing... Um, how God uses you guys on this trip. Absolutely. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this team. We thank you for Greg and Nancy and Bob. We just pray your blessing on them. Father, we pray that you would open doors for ministry and relationships during this time. Father, we pray for success as they drill this well. Uh, Father, we pray for safety and pray that you would just guide them every step of the way, each day. Father, we know that you've blessed us. You've blessed us physically, materially, spiritually, so that we might be a blessing to the world. Uh, Father, we thank you that that as a church, that we're able to be a blessing uh, in a world in need, Father. Again, bless them as they go. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. 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 I pray that you will have an incredible week. Uh, May we go out uh, as the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus.